I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Today, the baptism of our Lord is one of the four days a year that we set aside for baptism or lacking a willing adult or an adorable infant to renew our own baptismal vows. When there is someone to baptize, it is a joyful occasion, an adult making a commitment of faith or a sweet child all dressed up, proud parents and godparents, joy everywhere. When it's just us, we who've already been baptized, we who make the same promises again and again, sort of knowing all the while that we will fail to keep them perfectly, well, it can all feel a little expected, even humdrum. Here we go again. Time to renew our baptismal vows. Or perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps you love this, reveling in your baptism, excited to try once more to keep the promises you've made or were made for you in baptism. Or maybe, like me, you look forward to the drama at the font with the blessing and the sensing and the blowing on the water and then being aspurged with the holy water from the font. But what few of us spend any time thinking about, I bet, is how scandalous the whole thing is. How shocking baptism is. You see, for early Christians, Jesus' baptism was scandalous and weird. And not for the reasons that we might find it weird, you know, John the Baptist threatening folks with winnowing forks and unquenchable fire, or the Holy Spirit arriving in the form of a dove, or the voice from heaven declaring Jesus before he's done a single thing, you're my son, the beloved, with you I'm well pleased. That stuff is weird to us. But for early Christians, the scandal was that Jesus was baptized at all. For if baptism is for forgiveness of sins and Jesus is without sin, what exactly is going on here? Is Jesus actually sinful? Spoiler alert, no. Or is baptism not about the remission of sins? Also, no. Those questions the scandal surrounding Jesus' baptism, well, the scandal's apparent in the scant details in each of the gospel accounts of his baptism. They all attest to its happening, but none seem eager to spend much time on it. And frankly, each account is a little bit weird, each in its own way. Here in Luke, John the Baptist is breathing fire and he promises that another greater one is coming who will judge and baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. Then our lectionary skips the next three verses, the ones that describe John the Baptist being imprisoned by Herod, who is tired 
of this Baptist, calling him out for his sinning with his brother's wife and for his oppressive behavior of the people. But when we return to the River Jordan, we hear that all people were baptized, and then after that, Jesus also had been baptized. In other words, after all the rabble, all the poor and the sinners, all those who fear Herod and are hoping for a hero, Messiah, to save them, all the weak and the worried with all their faults and sins, problems and their weird diseases, after they'd all been dunked for repentance, well then Jesus joins them. Jesus steps into the river and allows himself to be dunked just like every other sad sack there. He joins them. He joins us in our condition, in our baptism, and then goes and prays. And the Holy Spirit alights in the voice from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So weird. So scandalous. But we've heard it so often, we hear it so often that we don't even think about it. We've gone to so many baptisms, we've renewed our baptismal vows so many times that we're no longer shocked by it all. But we should be. And before we renew our vows again today, perhaps we ought to give this something of a think. For this baptism we hear about today, the one we know so well, has Jesus joining the rabble, has him declared beloved and pleasing, but in the midst of it, John the Baptist is arrested. An arrest we know leads to execution. And then right after this baptism, Jesus Jesus is driven into the wilderness to face temptation by the adversary. Jesus' baptism is the start of his public ministry, which we know leads in one direction, to the cross. The often joyful, sometimes mundane sacrament of baptism is surrounded by violence and fear, death and temptation, and not just for Jesus. This sacrament is scandalous and weird not just for Jesus. We baptize and we are baptized for all kinds of reasons. Forgiveness of sin, yes. To enter into God's family, the church, yes. But here's the most scandalous reason we baptize are baptized, and renew our baptismal vows. We do so because we have to die. We have to die. Each one of us has to die to our old selves, die to the illusion that we are in charge, die to our own pride, our sinfulness, our petty concerns, die to everything that is not God. 
And we do that by drowning in the waters of baptism. We do that by being buried in the waters of baptism, or as we say, buried with Christ in his death so that we might share in his resurrection and be reborn by the Holy Spirit. That is why baptism is still weird and still scandalous. It's surprising to me that anyone offers their infant for it. It's shocking that any adult submits to it. But of course, it is the Holy Spirit that calls us forth. In baptism, we recognize one of the real truths about God. And that is that God wants all of us. All of us, not just some of us. God wants us to be gods entirely, to die to anything that is not God, to be reborn into the life and love and relationship that God has to offer us. C.S. Lewis captured this in one of his essays. He wrote, It is not so much of our time and so much of our attention that God demands. It is not even all our time and all our attention. It is ourselves. For each of us, the Baptist words are true. He must increase and I must decrease. He has, in the last resort, nothing to give us but himself. And he can give that only insofar as our self-affirming will retires and makes room for him in our souls. He claims all because he is love and must bless. He cannot bless us until he has us. Therefore, in love, he claims all. There is no bargaining with God. God cannot bless us unless he has us. Baptism is not about forgiveness of each one of our little petty sins. It's not a sin management project. It's not an attempt to make us nicer or better. No, baptism is about death. Death to ourselves. Death to sin. And it is about new life, being reborn in Christ. It is about making wild promises, which we're about to make, that we will believe in and we will follow God and we will seek and serve Christ in all persons, but we will make those promises with God's help, for we know we can do none of it alone. Baptism is about community, joining God's family, the church. Baptism is new life, a new identity, dead to yourself, alive in the body of Christ, beloved, pleasing. So, beloved, blessed feast of the baptism of our Lord, mundane and joyful, really weird, scandalous. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.